Welcome to Off the Cuff, where Mish and Chris discuss the week's events informally and without a script. Welcome, Mish. Well, here we are. It's uh, FOMC, uh, I believe that's the Fed Open Mouth Committee uh, meeting day. They've uh, announced a, a, a big package of nothing again. And, and I know you and I are, are uh, just frustrated at this point, uh, watching the whole world watch for slight semantic differences between one release statement in the next. There's really nothing new that they're planning to do. There was nothing in here at all whatsoever. There's some slight change in the final paragraph where it says the committee also decided to continue through the end of the year its program to extend the average maturity of its holdings of securities. Okay, so that's Operation Twist goes to the end of the year and is maintaining its existing policy of reinvesting principal payments. Okay, no change there. Here's the change. The committee will closely monitor incoming information on economic and financial developments and will provide additional accommodation as needed to promote stronger economic recovery and sustained improvement in labor market conditions in a context of price stability. I believe there's a one or two word difference in that from the last one. <laughs> Even if there wasn't any, uh, would it be, is it news? I mean, isn't that what we all know anyway? You know, so I don't know. We got kind of a, you know, a down reaction. Then I'm looking at my screen here, an up candle, and then choppy around, and essentially flat on the day. Actually, we're what, we down three or four points on the spoos. The uh, but you know, the whole world seems like it's just oh, it's, it's just holding on here, waiting for this next round of QE that it knows the Fed is going to deliver. And I did a post earlier today, and I said, does it matter? How is it going to matter? What is it going to do? Is it going to create any jobs? Is it going to bring back manufacturing? Will will a drop in the long-term Treasury rate from 1.5 to 1.25, will that do anything? Will it do anything if it drops to 1? The So, you know, I don't get it, but, you know, the markets here see something that I don't, and they have for a year. Um, so it, it's kind of frustrating for me, but I don't see value here. I don't see value in treasuries. I don't see value in the stock market. I do see value in gold. <laughs> the market, well, the market hasn't seen any extra value in gold, let's put it that way, for about the last year and a half or so. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm just biding my time waiting for the next downturn in the market and the next upturn in gold. And uh, all... I can suggest people do is be patient and do the same thing. And, you know, unless you're day trading stocks, what else is there to do? Well, you know, you're not the only one getting impatient. I'm impatient too. But uh, we had uh, Jeremy Grantham's letter came out uh, on the GMO. It's a, it's a must read for me all the time. He, he termed it Groundhog Day. Uh, and he had a statement in there which said, I, for one, wish that the world would get on with whatever's coming next. Uh, and then we've also seen a couple of really big, long, established hedge funds, operators, guys who've been in the business 10, 15, sometimes even 20 years starting to back away saying, I can't trade this market. There's nothing here. There's no no alpha to be had by any decision I can make. Macro decisions don't make any difference anymore. It's all one giant, coordinated, globalized uh, market at this point in time. And, you know, this is something that was known about 150 years ago, that if that if a bank steps in too long uh, the the market gets accommodated to the to those conditions, and the next thing you know, the bank can't get away from being part of the market. You know, once upon a time, it was understood if you were gonna step in and run interest rates down to provide a little stimulus, you a had to do it quick and unexpected. B you had to get out of there just as fast and as unexpected, right? Uh, you know, and now the Fed is a permanent 
participant in the market. I, I see their I see what I consider to be their signature on this market on an almost daily basis at this point. Anybody who's been watching the European bond markets can tell the minute the ECB or whatever fund is, uh, you know, state-sponsored fund is stepping in to do some buying. It's just completely clear that there is the market with quotes around it. And then there are the these non-economic participants, the big banks just in there. And they're permanently part of that market now. What's wrong with that? Well, we know what's wrong with it. And when, when, when the Fed is the market, you know, what kind of trust can you, you going to have in this thing? But, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm still, in spite of that, you know, struggling to see what's, what's levitating this up. Now, I can make excuses. I, I actually, I know it's the, the U.S., and I, I, hate, I really hate this term, but it's like the cleanest dirty shirt or something like that. Who, who said that? Was that uh, Bill Gross that said that? Anyway, uh, uh, the money is fleeing Europe at a pretty substantial pace. I think some of that is, is, is supportive here of things going on in the United States. Certainly, it's debatable whether or not we're in recession. I think we are, but uh, most people don't. And um, jobs here have held up better than they've held up in, in Europe, if you read the reports, not if you read <laughs> what's underlying the reports. I, I think U.S. unemployment rate would be 10 or 11 percent, uh, similar to what we're seeing in much of Europe. Well, easily. And, you know, there's a big difference there that's important, which you've mentioned before, which is that in Europe, hiring somebody is like marriage. It's a really serious commitment. Uh, in the United States, they're perfectly free to go ahead and fire somebody and then bring somebody back on on a temp basis at will. There's, there's really no recourse to that. You save a little money. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics counts them both the same. Are you part-time working? You're, you're, you're employed. Are you full-time working? You're employed. Did you, you know, you're working at half the salary you used to? You're employed. doesn't matter. So if all we... that, all those structural weaknesses. But I, I'm really expecting. Uh, I'll stick my neck out here. But I said it on my blog too. I'm expecting a a really really weak jobs number. It wouldn't surprise me actually much if the, for it to be even be negative. On, I'm, I'm not calling for that, but I'm going to say right now it wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm going to say uh, uh, certainly sub a hundred thousand and. Um, uh, um, probably you know fifty thousand or less. I'm just looking at at collapsing new orders everywhere I look. I'm looking at the regional Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia and all the other regional manufacturing. You know, new orders are down everywhere. The places that are you know, some places are just like limping along. But you know, anecdotal evidence. I have people emailing me from all over the globe, from the United States. They're just telling me you know something happened. That you know this these last two months. Where, where orders have collapsed. Now, I don't know whether that's biased. I mean, people know my opinions. So are people, you know, trying to send me stuff that goes along with, with what I think? And, 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 am I, and am I feeding off of that? But it's really hard to ignore the, all the independent reports, you know, from Japan, from Asia, from even Germany, where orders are collapsing. Auto parts. You know, we're, we're collapsing, and I'm, I'm going to report on autos a little bit uh, uh, later tonight, probably. But uh, auto sales came in surprisingly weak, and I'm looking at it surprisingly weak. I mean, there's no surprise here, yeah, because I reported on my blog uh, that the world's largest parts manufacturer, a couple of weeks, has, has a huge, huge slowdown in sale of parts, of ignition systems, of brakes. 
why wouldn't we see that? You know, everyone's surprised by weak data. You know, what's going on with that? Well, you know, the ISM came out today. Uh, this was the second month of contraction. I think it came in, if I remember right, at uh, 49.8. And uh, they, we were looking for, a, I think, uh, economists were thinking it was going to be, you know, just a hair over 50 signaling mm-hmm. expansion instead of contraction. So that's two months in a row. Uh, in contractionary territory, China's uh, had the same sort of a contraction that it signaled there. And to get back to uh, that jobs data bit, um, you're saying uh, under 100,000 ADP. They came out this morning and did their private estimate of uh, 163,000, I think the number yep. there. And, uh, and of course, they're saying that might be subject to revisions. And I'm confused by that, of course, because I, I, thought, they, I thought they had this system where they added stuff up. Uh, my computer, when I do calculate in Excel, it doesn't. I don't have any revisions later on. It's pretty much. If I, I know, and, and and you see over time they say that they track the VLS. Well, they only track the VLS because both of them are revising the freaking numbers, and they say, oh, you know, look how good we've been historically. <laughs> Jesus, you know, they're you know, I would like to see you know what what they reported, and then forget all these revisions. I want to see, you know, what actually happened versus, you know, what they said. And and if you, and I really don't understand this either. At least with the, you know, the BLS, you know, they're 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 doing all of this, you know, fudging stuff. ADP should be freaking counting numbers, and and have a methodology that converts that to their estimate. What is there to revise? <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, I don't get it. Maybe I should call ADP and ask them that question. But, you know, I really don't get it. And, and if they want to have a preliminary and a, and, a, and a final, you know, why? Just give us the final. So, uh, I, I don't know. You know, all of it, and I looked at that, 163. So I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, I'm thinking under 50, and, and they're saying 163. I guess we'll see who's right. You know, it also wouldn't surprise me, Chris, to see one more month of strong numbers. You know, the, 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 these regional surveys, they're just now rolling over. You know, maybe there's one more surprise in there that gives everyone a big, you know, final euphoric feeling before the crash. But I, I don't know. I'm just going to stick my neck out and say a really weak number. Well, we have a lot of other signs of weakness out there. You know, we've got uh, certainly uh, warning signs have come across in the revenue numbers on the most recent quarterly earnings reports. Uh, we're seeing the things that I care about the most, which are, you know, the, the transports tell us a lot. And the transports in the Dow had a very nice departure today. I think the Dow was up 50 at one point and the transports are down 70 when I was looking at it. I'm sure that number's changed from when I was looking at it. But the transports for me... That's, they've always been a very good indicator. Uh, and the big one, of course, being UPS looking at worldwide package flow. And it's amazing. You know, UPS doesn't do any preliminary and revised stuff. They, they'll cut <laughs> routes like that. You know, they have good data and they, and they operate on it very, very quickly. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're seeing this huge, huge, very rapid slowdown across Asia. Uh, that's really started to bite into things. And it's just a mystery to me how, how the global economy can be thought to be in anything other than um, you know, right at zero at this point, if it's lucky, true stall speed. And against that backdrop, we have the Fed just sitting on its thumb, you know, saying we're, we're just going to stand pat for the moment. Well, uh, they stood. I, I, I think if the stock market were a lot lower, if it was really diving, I think they would have come in. I, I, I think they don't want to come in um, at a time when it fa- might fail. I mean, literally, with the stock market, you know, as levitated as it is, and I think it's 
damn levitated. Uh, you know, were they to come in and announce, you know, QE, what if it doesn't work? Uh, um, I think that they would rather hold their firepower for a, a time when the markets are really oversold, come in on an options expiration Friday like they tend to do, and, you know, announce some big news and, 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 and spike the market. I, I don't think they're going to come in when the market's this high. I, even if the data was a lot weaker, I don't think they would have come in now. They would have made the same wishy-washy statements. They can make any statements they want to support anything they want to do. And, in fact, that is indeed what they do. So that's what we heard today. Uh, you know, some of the doves wanted some action now, and some of the hawks didn't. And... Um, Bernanke's not stupid. He's just dense. He's he just has the wrong tools, the wrong policy, the wrong attitude. He doesn't, you know, he's 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 not a dumb man. He just doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but he does understand that that you know coming in here now and announcing a, a QE that might fail because the markets are this levitated, you know, that's the last thing he wants to do is have the markets lose lose confidence in him. That is one thing I think he does understand. Well, I, I, it's my position that the market owes a lot of its current levitation to uh, the idea that the Fed has got power and is powerful mm. and is going to print more. And if we were truly trading on the base of fundamentals at this point in time, we would have a very different sort of a number in a read. And, and it used to be that, you know, it's it's now I, I can pretty much summarize that, you know, anytime news comes out, it's it's instantly viewed to be good for the markets, right? The stock market no seems to rally. Right. Oh, it's bad. That well, that gives us a better <laughs> chance of, of Bernanke yeah, actually more QE. Mm-hmm. more QE. Oh, it's good news. Well, good news is always good news, right? And, and and I remember this pattern distinctly. I had the same sense in 2007. I was watching the same dynamic. I was looking at all kinds of data that was horrifying me in the housing market, all, all kinds of places. I was seeing slowdowns. I was seeing all kinds of things starting to happen, early warning signs. And Good news was good news. Bad news was good news. It was all good news. And we're in the same place. So, you know, GM comes out today and says it sold 6.4% fewer new cars and light trucks in July of this year than a year earlier, right? Ford sales, Ford's been the bright star in the auto uh, sector. Their sales declined 3.8% year over year sequentially. Um, and and so, so there's a lot of data out there saying this is a slowdown. This is the normal time when uh, the stock market should be looking at those things, actually should have smelled them out well in advance, uh, shouldn't be having these relatively large divergences between, say, the transports and the main headline numbers at this stage. I mean, look where the Dow is. I know it just slipped under 13,000 again, but at 13,000, it's only somewhere around 6 or 7% off of its all-time highs that it achieved in October of 2007. Absolutely so, amazing to me. It, it really is. It really is. It's just, it's mind-boggling. And so I think there's a lot of tears coming in, in this market. And uh, I'm still convinced that, you know, I'm happy that we're making it through the summer. We're going to have a, I think we're going to skate by with a quiet summer. I'm still a little nervous about what happens in Greece and Spain and all of that other stuff. But uh, boy, this fall, wow. I, I, I just, I can't see... Well, let me put it this way. The, the risk of a 40% downside to the market is a lot higher than the risk of a 20% upside at this point. It's very asymmetrical. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I've, I've uh, no other people that I trust a lot that have a good sense for the market that feel the same way. But, you know, we sound like broken records, Chris. I, I know. Mean, that's all I can say. I know. The, the, uh, but it's not going to change what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to continue to hold gold. Hold cash, be hedged, 
and wait for better valuations. I, I don't know what else to tell people to do. Well, we finally got rain the other day. I was happy about that. That was a nice thing in our part of the world. And uh, I see that a lot of rain didn't yet make it to parts of the Midwest. They've written off huge, huge chunks of, of the crops at this point in time. I love the headlines I'm reading on this recently where they said, hey, good news. The farmers almost uh, were entirely insured. So so they're going to get all their money and that money will still flow through the economy. I'm like, oh, that's really good news. You know, unless you're somebody living in, say, the other 50% of the world by population. Oh, or, or- you're the insurer that's losing all of this money that has to raise rates on everyone else to cover the losses. Uh. I mean, it's ridiculous to say (laughs) that this is all covered and it all washes out because there's insurance. It's actually quite ludicrous to make that statement. (laughs) But, But there we are. So at any rate, I'm still watching that drought. It's it's certainly going to have an impact that I expect to, it's going to play out. Um, we're going to be watching the September harvest very carefully, but hopefully we'll skate by August and uh, you know without any anything really big. But I am definitely starting to get uh, more a little bit more nervous than I used to be about um, what might happen to the markets as we head into this fall. Okay, all right, Chris. We'll catch you in seven, and there won't be another FOMC to report on for quite a while. So we'll see. Jobs report on Friday, and we'll talk about it next week. Fantastic. See you then, Mish.